Today on From His Heart, we'll learn the importance of the sacredness of sex. Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve. Now, in our world today, we have so thrown the seventh commandment to the dogs, so to speak, and we have discarded it. But there's a reason why that commandment was written on the tablet of stone written by the finger of God. You know, it has well been said when we talk about breaking God's commandments, you don't really break God's commandments. You're broken on them. And people in our world today are so broken when it comes to the seventh commandment. In our world today, we've disgraced and degraded the Seventh Commandment, which tells us, you shall not commit adultery. But there's an inescapable and essential reason why God wrote that commandment with His finger in the stone. This is From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve. Thank you for listening today as we continue our month-long journey through the Ten Commandments to discover the deeper truth in each one of these commandments and how vital they are for our society and culture. And the message today, entitled The Sacredness of Sex, is one of ten in the series Written in Stone, a study of the Ten Commandments. Now, as we've said, we're on number seven today and tomorrow, but if you miss any, you can catch up anytime online at fromhisheart.org. You can also get the complete unedited messages, almost eight hours of teaching in this new series. It's for your gift of any amount to From His Heart this month. Just go online for details at fromhisheart.org. Now, though, let's listen up with our minds and hearts as Pastor Jeff explores the deeper truth found in the Seventh Commandment. Open your Bible to Exodus chapter 20 for part one of the lesson called The Sacredness of Sex. Now, we're in a series on the Ten Commandments, and we're going through commandment by commandment, and today we're on commandment number seven, Exodus 20, verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. Now, that's a very simple, straightforward verse, but it's packed with meaning as we see God's heart toward the sacredness, the holiness of the sexual union between a husband and wife. Now, in our world today, we have so thrown the seventh commandment to the dogs, so to speak, and we have disregarded it and disgraced it and degraded it and discarded it, and we say, oh, that's so passe. But there's a reason why that commandment was written on the tablet of stone written by the finger of God. You know, it has well been said when we talk about breaking God's commandments, you don't really break God's commandments, you're broken on them. And people in our world today are so broken when it comes to the seventh commandment. So we want to look today at this command, very simple, straightforward command, you shall not commit adultery and unpack what all that means to you and to me today as it relates to the sacredness, the holiness of the sexual union between a husband and a wife. So three insights. Number one, God created sex solely for the safe confines of marriage. Now, 
As I've told you before, any time we start talking about sex in a Baptist church, Baptists get nervous. We don't like to talk about sex. Why? Because we think it might lead to dancing. And so we get <laughs> nervous about this. Oh, the pastor's talking about sex. He's not supposed to talk about sex. Howard Hendricks, the great professor at Dallas Theological Seminary who's in heaven now, he said, we should never be ashamed to talk about what God wasn't ashamed to create. And God created sex. And if you go back to the dawn of civilization, when God made a man, Adam, Genesis chapter 2, you know, every day when God would create it and said, and God saw what he made and it was good and it was good and it was good and it was good and it was good. And then we read about Adam and the Lord says, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable to him, a helper that corresponds to him. And God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he performed the very first surgery. And he pulled out of the man from his side a rib and some flesh, and he fashioned this creature called woman, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And in the Hebrew, she shall be called Isha, woman, because she was taken out of Ish, man. And so he is so excited about this creature that God brought to him. And then the scripture goes on to say, not speaking uh, directly to Adam and Eve, but to all of us, for this cause a man shall leave his father and his mother. Adam and Eve didn't have a father and mother. For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And that is how God set it up, the blueprints of marriage. And so God created sex solely for the safe confines of marriage. Now, notice some things about this design of sex. It's designed for oneness in the marriage. The two shall become one flesh. Now, that happens physically when a man and his wife come together in the marriage. We talk about the consummation of the marriage where you come together as one flesh, and God created men and women different so that they would complement one another. And it's oneness, not just physical oneness, but it's to be a oneness in marriage of body and soul and spirit, and it's pictured in the beautiful union of the sexual relationship. Now, 1 Corinthians 6.16 picks up on this and says, or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a harlot is one body with her? For he says, the two will become one flesh. Hey, don't join yourself to a harlot because that's joining to become one flesh. And so that is reserved just for a husband and his wife. So God designed that there would be oneness in this marriage relationship. Secondly, God designed sex for procreation in the marriage. And he said to Adam and Eve in a summation chapter, Genesis chapter one, Genesis two backtracks a little bit on day six because in Genesis two, Eve isn't created yet until the end of the chapter. But in Genesis one, the Lord's giving us an overview and he says this in verses 27 and 28, and God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So we learn some things 
right off the bat that our world seems to have forgotten that there are two sexes and there are two genders and sex and gender are connected and you cannot separate those things. Everyone in this room, everyone watching online, you're either an XY male or you're an XX female and you can never change that. Now, you may have seen the picture that was in uh, Glamour magazine in the UK, and they show this picture of this person named Logan Brown, and it says, trans, pregnant, proud. Well, that, that person is trying to pass herself off as a man, a pregnant man. But if you check that person's chromosomes, I promise you the chromosome makeup of that person is XX, female. Why? Because an XY male can't give birth. I mean, that's just a basic reality of uh, science, biology. That's what the Lord said. So we learn a lot from the book of Genesis. We learn that God made them male and female, and God made Adam and God made Eve, and God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. How do we do that? We do that through the sexual relationship between Adam and Eve, between a husband and his wife. So God created sex to be that expression of oneness in the marriage. And the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. There was perfect oneness there in the Garden of Eden until they sinned in Genesis chapter 3. And then for procreation. How do you get more kids? You... You have sex in the marriage, and that produces kids. And I heard about a man, and he was asked by his nine-year-old son. He said, Dad, he said, where did I come from? And the father said, I'm, excuse me? He said, well, tell me, Dad, where did I come from? And the dad's like, man, you know, he's only nine years old. He's already asking where he came from. He said, it's the facts of life. Where's his mother? But the mother wasn't around. So he's like, okay, I got, I got to talk to him. And so he talks to little Johnny and he says, uh, well, Johnny, here's how it is. And he went through the whole shebang and, and he was saying about, you know, about fertilization and the egg and, and all this. And then the baby is born and everything. And little Johnny's eyes are getting wider and wider. He goes, wow, wow. He said, well, Johnny, why did you ask? He said, well, I just wondered. He said, Billy from across the street, he said he came from Philadelphia. <laughs> God designed sex for procreation in the marriage. And thirdly, he designed sex for pleasure in the marriage. You know, the Lord could have made it to where the sexual union between a husband and wife was just neutral. Was, there was no pleasure involved. God didn't create us like that. He could have created it where it's just pain, you know, uh, coming together to procreate. It was like having a root canal. And people, I mean, it had been Adam and Eve, and once Cain killed Abel, that was it. You know, I mean, it, just no more, you know, and uh, because it'd be like, I'm not doing that. That hurts. But he didn't create it like that. He created it where there's this, this fire, there's excitement, and there's pleasure involved. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And even the Bible tells us about that. Song of Solomon, chapter 7, listen what Solomon says about his wife. 
I believe this was his first wife. He had 700 of them, but this is the first one. This is before he kind of fell off the wagon here. And he says, how beautiful. She's probably dancing before him. He's really enjoying what he sees. How beautiful and how delightful you are, my love, with all your charms. Your stature is like a palm tree and your breasts are like its clusters. I said... I will climb the palm tree and I will take hold of its fruit stalks. Oh, may your breasts be like clusters of the vine and the fragrance of your breath like apples and your mouth like the best wine. Solomon is really enjoying his wife and how she looks. Men are very visual. And there's nothing wrong with that. God exalts that. He created sex to be pleasurable, but only in marriage. This is what he says in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning in verse 3. He said, let the husband fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another. God is pro-sex in marriage. And the husband does, fulfills his duty to his wife, and the wife fulfills her duty to her husband. And when Debbie and I got, were first married and I ran across 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I would tell her in the morning, Debbie, I'm reporting for duty. <laughs> just wanted her to know because that's, just want to be a doer of the word and uh, reporting for duty. So when we think about sex in marriage, See, God designed it only in marriage. Think about sex this way. Sex is like fire. It's like a roaring fire. In your home, there's only one place for a roaring fire, and that's the fireplace. You don't want a roaring fire in your attic. You don't want a roaring fire in the living room rug. You, don't, you want it only in the fireplace. So sex is fire and marriage is the fireplace. And God says, hey, I want you to have a roaring fire, but only in the safe confines of marriage. So that's the first insight. God created sex solely for the safe confines of marriage. It is sacred. It is holy in marriage. Second insight, adultery is a sexual sin that attacks the sanctity of marriage, the purity of marriage, the, the holiness of marriage. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all, the married and the unmarried. Hold marriage in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Fornicators and adulterers. Now, in the seventh commandment, is God only saying you shall not commit adultery, but you can commit fornication? So if you're not married, uh, you can have sex with lots of people as long as they're not married. No, the seventh commandment forbids adultery and fornication. Fornication is what people do when they're not married and they have sex with someone who is not married. They haven't committed adultery but they have committed fornication. And Hebrews 13.4 says, fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. The Lord is very clear about this and he's very strong about this. Let the marriage bed be undefiled. So it forbids both of those things. Secondly, it forbids any sexual immorality. 
So you take the Bible and you start piecing the Bible together with other parts of the Bible. First Thessalonians 4, 3. For this is the will of God. Lots of people want to know, what's the will of God? What's the will of God? What's the will of God for my life? This is the will of God. Your sanctification, your holiness, that is that you abstain from sexual immorality. Now, the word that's used there in the Greek is pornea, from which we get our word pornography. And pornea is a very broad term. It covers all types of sexual immorality. It covers adultery, it covers fornication, it covers homosexuality, it covers all sorts of bestiality, it covers just a big blanket term. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Now, when you talk to couples that are dating, high school couples, college couples, and in today's world, I mean, it's nothing, it's sad to say, but it's nothing for people to meet and boom, they have sex on the very first date. Well, that, that's just blowing past Hebrews 13.4. That's just showing I have no fear of God. Fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. And we're to live in the fear of the Lord always. But here's the thing, you have couples, Christian couples, and they say, well, how far can I go before I cross the line? You know, they want to know that. And what can we do? Can we, can we kiss? What can we do? Can, is, there, is there a limit? I had a friend of mine one time, he, he talked about technical virginity. You know, we're, we're not having intercourse, but we're, we're getting close. And listen, the goal of the Christian life is not to see how close you can come to the edge before you fall off. It's to keep yourself unstained by the world. And so where's the line? The line is in your heart because the seventh commandment forbids lust in the heart. Jesus, in the great sermon on the mount, he told the people, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks on a woman to lust for her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he was raising the bar on the Ten Commandments because the people had lowered the bar on the Ten Commandments and they said, all that matters is outward. So you shall not murder. So if I haven't murdered anybody, then I fulfilled the Ten Commandments but, uh, or that commandment number six. And Jesus said, hey, if you have hate in your heart toward your brother, you have broken that commandment. And he takes it back to the heart. And all throughout the Bible, if you want to know what the Bible is about, God is not interested in rules. He's interested in a relationship with you, and he's interested in the heart. God doesn't see as man sees. Man sees the outward appearance, but the Lord sees the heart. And the Pharisees did everything just meticulously well on the outside. And Jesus said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Your heart is far away, and that's what I want, your heart. And so if you look on a woman to lust for her, if you look on a man, ladies, to lust for him, the Lord says you committed adultery with him already in your heart. You've committed adultery with her already in your heart. And so we know it's not just restricted to the marriage relationship, having sex outside of your marriage bounds, because he said to look on, uh, on any woman to lust for her. You've committed adultery. You've committed sexual sin with her in your heart. And see, the heart, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, watch over your heart, guard your heart with all diligence, for from it 
flow the issues and the springs of life. Everything comes out of the heart. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 19, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and slanders. Where does it come from? It comes from out of the heart. And your heart is connected to your mouth because the mouth speaks from that which fills the heart and your heart is connected to your eyes because your eyes see what your heart desires. Everything goes back to the heart. Adultery is a sexual sin that attacks the sanctity of marriage. I remember talking to a guy when Debbie and I were speaking with Family Life Ministries, we had the pre-married talk. And so most of the people that come to the the Family Life Weekend to Remember Marriage Conferences are married, but some weren't. And so we'd have a separate time to just talk to the pre-marrieds. And we talked about sexual purity. And we said, listen, I mean, we're not naive enough to think that everyone that comes to the conference is abstaining from sex. So we knew we were talking to a lot of people that are living together, having sex together, but not married. I remember this one guy challenged me on it. And he said, well, why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't I, you know, just try this out? How am I hurting anybody? And I said, do you believe it's wrong to steal? He said, yes. I said, so that's wrong. If you were going to steal something from somebody, that would be wrong. He said, yes. And I said, you're stealing from this woman's future husband. You don't know that's going to be you. And I said, you're taking from her what belongs to her husband exclusively. So if you don't see that sexual immorality and fornication is wrong, maybe you see that stealing is wrong and you're stealing from this future husband and you're defrauding this woman. And I said, that is a terrible sin. Hey, adultery, a sexual sin that attacks and robs and destroys the sanctity of marriage. We pray that the truths today have you thinking and praying and acting upon your faith in God to avoid this pitfall and not commit adultery. Tomorrow, and after a brief review, Pastor Jeff will explain in great detail how to safeguard your life from the devastating sin of adultery. Make sure that you're with us then. Because adultery seems to be normal in all of our media and movies these days, it's a given that it's okay and completely acceptable. It's really disgraceful and degrading and should be discarded by any and all who call themselves children of God. This is the kind of truth that is abundant in Pastor Jeff Shreve's new series, Written in Stone, a study of the Ten Commandments. Today's lesson, The Sacredness of Sex, Part 1, and nine others in this series provide clear and comprehensive explanations about why God gave us these guardrails and practical solutions about how to stand up and live these truths out in our daily lives. The series is our gift of thanks to you for your support from His Heart this month of any amount, reaching around the world with the good news of Christ. It's available in the format of your choice, on a USB flash drive, as an immediate digital download, CDs or DVDs, your choice. Please know that your financial support allows us to be able to reach millions each day on radio, TV, and online. And Pastor Jeff receives no income from this ministry. He's paid a salary by his church in Texas and is simply a volunteer for us here at From His Heart. To make your gift today and get your copy, call 866-40-BIBLE, 866-40-BIBLE, 
or go online to fromhisheart.org and request the series Written in Stone. And know that you'll be blessed by these in-depth teachings and inspire you to live that life seeking to please God by obedience to His commands. God bless you. Well, thank you for joining us today on From His Heart. I'm Larry Nobles, inviting you to be right back here tomorrow for part two of the lesson, The Sacredness of Sex. That's on Monday, when Pastor Jeff Shreve will open God's Word and share real truth, real love, and real hope from God's heart, here on From His Heart. His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, who believes that no matter how badly you may have messed up in life, God still loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org.